Well, I'm Simona, and it's my privilege to continue our preaching series in Acts today. We've landed in Acts 9, so if you can look that up, that'll be helpful. Um, where the church started, Holy Spirit has come, and then uh, the church is being persecuted. Um, and one of the guys who was really zealously persecuting the Christians was Saul. And today it's all about his story and how God is changing his story completely, and it's an amazing story where we can learn lots from. Um, I wonder, first of all, though, who has seen the new Spider-Man movie? No, a few of you have, yeah. Good movie, good movie. Um, well, in, in that movie, um, the, the multiverse is broken open, and uh, it allows visitors from alternate realities to come into Peter Parker's Spider-Man's uh, world. And all these characters, they have kind of like a, a story, a script over their lives in their own universe, where it doesn't end well for them, basically. Like, they die or they become villains, and they, that doesn't end well. But Peter Parker sees this opportunity with them coming into his universe to think, hey, hang on, they don't have to follow this story of their life. They can follow a different story, and I can help them to realize that that is not their story for their lives. And actually, I can help them to become the person they were actually meant to be. And then they all, like turn into people that they're actually meant to be and then their story is completely changed. I think it's a beautiful message in that, in that film and fun to watch as well. Anyway, so today we're looking at Saul's story. It's a little bit like this where Jesus breaks in. Saul is thinking he's going one way and Jesus is breaking in and saying, hey, hang on, Saul, that's not the story I have for you. He's breaking in and he's rewriting the story of his life the way Saul is meant to be. So let's read the story in Acts 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Well, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, uh, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. 
Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What a story, eh? I mean, can you imagine being Saul, trying to get, get people in prison, going on your road, boom, flesh, a light coming. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He'll be like, what? Who? What's happening? It's Jesus breaking in, saying, Saul, this is not your story for your life. You know, all that zeal, all that passion you have to put people in prison, I want to use that for my glory and not for your glory. And he's breaking in and Saul is like completely undone. And that's what Jesus does when he breaks in into our lives. He's saying, look, I've got this better story for you, the way you were meant to be. Don't follow your old story, follow my story. And then Saul had a choice to make. He could either just stay as he was or he would you could get up and say, actually, what is this? I'm going to follow this Jesus. Now, Saul knew it was kind of like a deity that was speaking to him, but he didn't recognize the voice yet. He was just saying, who, who are you, Lord? And luckily, Jesus said, I'm Jesus. He was like, oh, Jesus. And he, Jesus is forced by, uh, sorry, Saul was forced by Jesus' light to recognize his own blindness and to receive sort of sight through him. So we can see that Jesus intervenes into Saul's life, but also Ananias then comes and Ananias helps Saul to rewrite and to help him to understand what's happening to him. And it's amazing, he's amazingly brave. He comes in and he places his hands upon him and then Saul chooses to get baptized and be filled by the Holy Spirit and he's going on his walk in his new script, his new story of his life. Now, in the same way as Jesus is rewriting Saul's story, Jesus wants to rewrite our story as well. You see in Genesis 1 that God has made man in his own image, right? And it says in Psalm 90 that God's glory rests on us. So his initial, initial, initial plan is for us to resemble something of him. He made Adam and Eve and the perfect Garden of Eden. And then obviously... Sin comes into the world because Adam and Eve chose to go against God and to think they can do it uh, themselves. And ever since then, you can see that this perfect picture, that the story that God has for his, our lives is being distorted. It's like it's, it's not the way that we're meant to be anymore. And out of these things, uh, out of these things that the Bible calls sin, where we go against God, things, different thought patterns can come into our mind, different ways of, of us looking at ourselves, internalized beliefs can come, and that we can think that is the story of our life, that is the script of our life. It could be things like, well, I'm defective, who am I anyway? Or I'm a mistake, I'm a burden, I'm unlovable, I'm stupid, I don't belong, I'm worthless. Or maybe like Saul, like he was thinking my worth is connected to my intelligence or my position. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, or I must be approved by certain people to feel okay. Or I can't make mistakes. Or I don't have a right to exist. I don't have a right to say what I feel. There's also a flip side to this. We can be very um, arrogant and say, hang on, I, can, I don't need Jesus. I can live without Jesus. I can prove my own worth. 
There's lots of things that can come into our lives that are the scripts, that is the story of our lives that we can believe. And Jesus wants to step in and say, I have got something better for you. This is not who you are. And like Paul, we can hear the voice, we can hear that call of Jesus, and then we can get up and say, Jesus, forgive me, and then we can go on this beautiful new story with Jesus. Amazing, isn't it, how Jesus has for us. And God has an invitation for us today to do that. You might have not done that before, and God has an invitation for you today to say yes to Jesus, because I can tell you it's the best thing you can ever do in your life. There's so much freedom to be found in him. Or maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, but I don't know about you, but I often find it very hard to stay on this new path, to follow this new script that Jesus has for me. Because often you sort of go back to the old story of your life, don't you? I do anyway. I, I worry, I get stressed, I think things of myself that are not true. You can have a tendency to go back to what it was before, whilst Jesus is saying, that's not who you are. You've got a new story, you've got a new script over your lives. Now, why is it that we go back to that old story of our lives? Why is it that we find this so difficult to break free from? Well, it often comes uh, out of the way we've been raised, like our families. It says, it were, you've, you have like a, a millions of miles of film footage that, that have, have been played over your life about the script and the story of your life that you've heard time and time again. That can sort of you can find, find it really difficult to break free from that, from what your family has told you how to be or, um, or how to uh, behave or how to react to certain things. Or you might have experienced abuse, and that's very difficult. And that can cause a damage in your heart that you might believe that, well, who am I anyway? I'm, I'm worthless. Like, I, no one loves me. No one cares for me. Look, I'm, I'm just a piece of rubbish. That could be something like a script over your life that could... Um, that could take hold of you or, or you've received racism or sexism or you've had a lot of bullies in the, in the past and they can leave really bad scars. You can start to believe what they say about you rather than what Jesus has his new story of your life. Or when you look around the message of the media, you can think, if only I would be as thin or as beautiful, if only I could be like the Hulk, like powerful and strong, then I've got my word, that's my story. Well, that's not true at all. God is accepting us as we are. Uh, or maybe you've said, you said to yourself, well, I've committed all these sins. Surely God can, can't save me. Honestly, look at me. I can't, well, look at Saul, actually. He's committed the worst sins possible, but actually God has saved him. So that's not the story that we, believe, that we can believe over our lives, but we can believe that. Or you've had some bad Bible teaching in the past about the fact that really condemning and that you're only sinful rather than having the balance of, yes, we are sinful, but yes, there's also the grace of God. Those things can play a big part in how we live our lives and how we can go back to our old stories. Now, when Saul... Um, got up from the ground, and when he went to do the house, he fasted for three days. And fasting is often a time of, um, of grieving and repenting and, uh, and acknowledging our losses and just like getting right with God and just asking him things. And um, I, I believe Saul has maybe used that time to say, God, will you forgive me? Will you, will you show me? Where do I still go to the old ways? And I want to I live your way, Jesus. Um, 
And I think we can do the same. Because I don't know about you, but I often find it really difficult to admit where I still go wrong. And I'd rather not think about it. And I'd rather just brush over it and just continue with my life. But actually God is saying in his loving way, I want to change you. This is not my story. I want, I want to intervene and I want to rewrite your story deep, deep down inside. And it's okay to admit that, yes, I worry. And that's okay because uh, that's been the, the script that's written over my life. It doesn't mean I stay like that, but it means that God can break in and say, hey, but worry is not my story for your life. You can trust me, you know. But it's admitting that and saying, sorry, Father, for not trusting you. And will you help me to see where this comes from? Where, where did I, maybe your mom or your dad was always a worrier and, and you just automatically worry then. Or maybe when you read the news, you see all these things popping out. You're like, ha, ah, fear can get hold of you. And you can admit and say, it's okay. It's very, you're human. It's very okay to do that. But it's not okay to stay like that because Jesus has a different story for your life. And you can say, even if, even if the worst thing possible happened to you, God, you are still there. And that's trusting God. And that's really difficult and really hard. But God wants to change us and wants to help us to live in that new story. Now, there's someone who hates us living in this new story. Ever wonder why it's such a battle for you to get out of the old and go into the new? It's because Satan, he hates it. He hates it when we become free. He hates it when we live in a new story because he knows when we are, we are really effective as Christians and we can help others rewrite their story. So he will do anything and anything to put us back into, into that prison. And it's really scary to live in a new story. It's often quite safe to live in your own kind of bubble of, well, if I just stay in here or if I stay the way I meant to, but I was, that's safe, isn't it? But often getting out is much more safer with Jesus because that's where you become free. It's like you're, um, you're staying in prison whilst you're allowed to get out. So you're choosing to stay in prison and the, the, the judge has said you can go out, but you're like, oh, I'd rather stay in prison because then I know I can have a three-course meal and I don't know what's going to happen when I get out of prison. Maybe, who knows, maybe I don't get any food or I don't have a house, so better stay in prison. What's you're allowed to get out? It's the same thing for us. Like, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live with worry. We don't have to have all these anxieties or, or we don't have to live with all these sins. We can, we can be free. We can break free from that. We're Jesus. That's why Jesus has saved us. To say, that's not your story anymore. You're a new creation. You're a new being. And when we work through that, we can then rewrite other people's story. Isn't that so beautiful to see that Ananias is helping Saul to rewrite his story and God is using Ananias for that. Because when we look at uh, the story from, um, from when Ananias comes in, um, God calls Ananias and his answer is incredible. He says, yes, Lord, rather than Saul who said, who are you? He didn't recognize him. That meant to me that Ananias knew the voice of God. He spent time with him. And also the way God is doing it, he's like, 
he, Ananias is saying something, then God is saying something back. Hearing God's voice is often not a booming voice from the sky. Go and do this and obey. He's like, you have this loving conversation, a relationship with your father, and you can chat, and he can say something back. I love it how this is modeled here so, so beautifully, that, that this is the way God often speaks. Because I don't know about you, but if you are on Ananias, I'll be pretty scared, Right? This guy called Saul is coming to get the Christians in Damascus to basically capture them, take them back into prison in Jerusalem where, I don't know, maybe you get killed. You don't know what's going to happen to you. And then Jesus is saying, oh, Ananias, you go to Saul. He's like, what? Saul? Surely not Saul. Um, And he says that to God. I love the way he's boldly having this conversation with God, like, God, do you know of course God knew, but he was more like making a point like, come on, God, I don't, I don't want to go there. But God is he's having none of it. He's saying, no, Ananias, I know what I'm doing. Trust me. But first, Ananias had to, he didn't know anything of this has happened. He didn't know that the light was, had shone light, that the light had come to Saul and that Saul um, was fasting. He didn't know. He was just thinking this guy called Saul, man, he's, he's like coming to kill me. But but he, he, had to, he had to believe that if he would go, that first of all, Saul would be there. He might not have been there. Then he had to believe that Saul actually had a vision. He might have not had this vision, who knows. Then he had to believe that actually, um, that when, when, he put his, when Ananias would put his hand on Saul, that he would be healed as well. Pretty bold things to believe, right? If I was Ananias, I wouldn't know if I would even go, let alone like, expect all these other things to happen. Yet Ananias had such big faith in God that he said, no, I'm going to go, and no matter what happens, God, I'm going to believe you. And because of that obedience and because of that faith, then he places his hand on Saul, Saul gets healed, he helps Saul to realize, now you need to get baptized, come on, let's pray for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes isn't it amazing how, how through the obedience of Ananias, Saul starts his journey? And actually, if Ananias wouldn't have done this, I don't know if, um, if it would have happened, God might have found another way, but through like, Ananias' obedience, like Saul, his life is now rewritten, and he has helped many, many, many people, even us today, to help us to rewrite our story, because his, Saul's name was changed to Paul, And he's written lots of letters in the Bible in how to live our life, how to go about our new story. Things like taking every thought captive or things like how to deal with when when Satan comes to attack you or things like who Jesus really is. Those things have like, Paul has helped many, many, many thousands of others to rewrite their story. See how it's like a snowball effect of Jesus changing our story, we changing other people's story constantly. That's what God is using us for. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 13, 18, 50, 70, and you can be used by God to rewrite other people's stories. But if we don't work through our stories ourselves, then we sort of leak out in a bit of a destructive way as well. We need to really get hold of this and get hold of the new life because then we can help to rewrite other people's story, stories. So we had the privilege um, a year and a half ago to step in and to rewrite 
our adoptive child's story, our adoptive little girl. We adopted her a year and a half ago. And her story of her life would have been that she was an orphan and she would have been in a care system forever, basically. And she um, wouldn't have a, a forever family. And we said, do you know what? We don't know what it will cost us. We know it's going to be costly, but we know we want to change this little girl's story. And I can tell you, it has been costly. It's been great as well. It's been amazing to see, but it has been very costly, especially for me, because she didn't, she didn't trust mother figures at all, a huge thing in her life. And gently, gently, day by day, and I've had many ups and downs. God has been rewriting my story a lot through this as well. But then, day by day and day, I've um, been able to show her that she's no longer an orphan. She doesn't have to respond like an orphan. She's now my daughter. And I can, I'm the mom who's always going to stay with her. I'm never going to leave her like other mother figures have done. I will always be there for you. And slowly but surely, she's starting to realize, okay, so you're not going to leave me. So you are my mother who's always going to stay with me. And it's beautiful to see how that's changing in her mind. But that's the same for us, right? We used to be orphans before we met Jesus. And then Jesus steps in and he says, I'm going to make you a son or a daughter. And then we become part of God's family and I don't know if you realize, but the first thing that Ananias says to Saul when he sees him, he says, brother Saul. Isn't that incredible? Before he even knew whether Saul's heart was changed or what has happened, he calls him brother Saul. He says, you're part of us now. I'm going to accept you unconditionally. And that's what we can do in our church family. We can accept each other unconditionally as brothers and sisters of this new family. Now, there's one thing, that story that I want to share with you, which is just so special, that we often, as a family, we, um, we huddle together and then we do a group huddle and we say, we shout together, we are a family, just because we want our girls to know that they are belong, that we are family, we're strong together. And then at the start, we did it with our little girl who we adopted as well. And at the start, she was a bit like, even though she couldn't really voice it, she was just a bit weird and a bit wanting to go away and not quite sure. Like, every time we did it, it was a bit awkward. Until recently, a few months ago, I still remember the first time we did it, we are a, and then beaming smile, family, she was saying. And every time since then now, she is shouting it with us. That's the moment I knew she knows that she belongs here and that she will never go away. And that's the same for us, right? We belong into God's family we belong. We've got a father, we've got brothers and sisters, we belong. And we have got a new story, new thinking. God is giving us a new thinking. We don't have to go back to the old. Like Saul, he's saying, this is my story for you. And we can live like that. We've got the freedom to live like that. Isn't that amazing? I wondered if you could stand and we can respond. Yeah, Jesus, we, we thank you so much that we can learn so much from this story that you stepped into Saul's life to say, hey, hang on, that's not your story. I've got a different story for you. And thank you that many of us here can testify to that, that you've stepped into our lives and you said, hey, hang on, I've got a different story. You, were, you weren't meant to be like this. 
And we just want to say yes to you. Maybe it's the first time. And we want to say yes to you, Jesus. Yes, we want to live that new story because we know what you have for us is way better than anything else. And if, if we haven't done, if, we, if we've already done that, we want to say yes to you again, Jesus. Yes, we want to live your story, Lord. We don't want to go back to that old story, Father. We've got a new way of thinking. We're a new creation. We're no longer orphans. We're, fa- we're sons and daughters. We're the loving Father who we can live in in our new life. I wondered if we can just be quiet for a minute and just to ask Jesus, where is it that I'm still um, following my old story? And where do you want to, why do you want to change me? Yeah, Jesus, will you, will you forgive us when we still go back to our old, old stories, Lord, where we still believe things are over, over ourselves that's not true. Forgive us for doing that, Father. We want to turn away from that. We want to say that we want to live in your new story, Jesus. And will you help us, Holy Spirit, I pray for these weeks to come that you will help us to, to search our hearts lovingly. Lord, you're not condemning us. You're lovingly pointing out things. Hey, I've got something better for you here. Don't go there again. We don't want to stay in that prison, Father. We want to get out of that prison. It's scary. It's scary, Father. I know it myself. I find it scary, Lord. But I know that your Holy Spirit is with me. And we don't want to be the same, Lord. We want to be changed people so that we can be those people that rewrite other people's stories. Lord, the world needs it. The world needs people who know where they are in God to rewrite their stories, Jesus. We pray that over us in Jesus' name. Amen.